This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, it's William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have Dan on from Yellow, and the subject that we'll be exploring is winning at DI recruitment, which, of course, is on everyone's mind. And Dan's going to walk us through some 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 things uh, to think about, some strategies, et cetera. So without any further ado, Dan, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and Yellow? Thanks, William, and thanks for having me. My name is Dan Bartfield. I'm co-founder of Yellow. Um, if you're not familiar with Yellow, Yellow, um, we power efficient and equitable hiring for all early career candidates and recruiters. And we do this through a few ways. One, we have an end-to-end early talent platform, which includes workflows, interview scheduling, virtual and physical events, as well as our recent acquisition of WayUp, where we now have a DEI sourcing tool of millions upon millions of candidates that our clients have access to as well. Oh, that's fantastic. So one of the questions that people will ask is, what does winning look like? You know, like what do you like strategically? Like how do you, how do you know you reach the goal uh, of that DEI? Is, that is a great question, and I don't know if that's an easily one answered. To it is no, um, it's not. It's definitely and, and not. One of, and one of the things that I always talk to my clients about is understanding what their goals are, because mm. every single company will have different goals and yep. different diversity type goals or different DEI goals they're trying to reach. I, I honestly think the best thing about what we could say about winning is now companies are no longer just talking about it. Right. For years and years, I've been in this industry. I mean, I've been in this in over 20 years. I always make the joke, I used to be the youngest person in the room. Now I'm probably one of the oldest when we have these conversations, um, is that companies talked about it. And unfortunately, it was just a checking a box. Now we're actually seeing companies actually creating goals, looking at long-term strategies in order, in order how to win in DEI. Right. And, and, and a lot of our clients who have been doing this for a while understand it, but some of the new co- companies to the game of like, all right, now we have to take this seriously, right. um, which is great. Um, it's a long-term play. Um, so my recommendation for everyone is to figure out what your goals are. What are you trying to accomplish? And honestly, every company has different goals. Once you establish those goals, let's talk about building a plan in order to reach those goals. You know, it's, it's funny. You and I have lived through an era where, Diversity, especially, has been talked about. I, I mean, I, I can't imagine. I can't remember a time where it wasn't talked about. Yeah. But we are also seeing, because of societal pressures and just you know, we finally a hundred years late, we're getting to the right place. Where there's being money is being put put behind it, budget is being put behind it. People, you know, chief diversity officers, people are being put behind it, which is fantastic because now we might actually really see change. But what I find fascinating. And it would be really interesting because of where you sit is candidates are expecting different things. You know, they expect to see a diversity annual report. They expect to see, you know, people that look like them in the interview process, et cetera. Like, so the expectation, you know, like we're, we're way out of the talking about it stage. Now we're to the, we're going to put money behind it. But, but, you know, from your perspective, especially dealing with folks early stage, what do you see that candidates, when they look at a firm or they look at a job, what are they looking for? 
And I'm glad you brought that up, William, because that is a big, big piece of recruiting, especially with DEI, is what are you putting forward? What is the organization putting forward? We're seeing over half of all candidates will look at a company and look what they're doing in their DEI efforts. We're seeing uh, 90% of Black students. That is the first thing or one of the things highly important to them is what are the efforts they're doing? So companies can no longer hide behind, hey, we go to a large diversity event. Um, hey, we do this. They actually have to put real effort forward in what they're doing in order to compete in for these top talent, these diverse top talent uh, candidates. So we're seeing everything from um, how are they do, what are they doing for the community? Um, everything from where they're showing promotion tracks um, for different types of candidates, as well as really just talking about it and being upfront about it. Um, and making sure that they're, they're doing that. Now, companies have done that a few ways as well as using different types of software and different types of databases in order to get those candidates, but they really have to, can't hide behind it anymore. You really have to show what you're doing. I mean, even take companies like Yellow. Um, we are not a Fortune 500 company, but you can go to our website and see our company's diversity makeup. We are very upfront and transparent about our goals and what we're trying to do. So they have to publish that information as well because candidates want to see it. Yeah, and I, I'd even go a little further. If they don't see it, they, they move on. They do. They, right? they do. And it's a really important part of their, their process and what they're looking at uh, for an organization. And, they, and you know, the, we, we talk about it like it's a, a revolutionary idea. It's, it's not. We should have been doing this all along. Like this, <laughs> the fact that we're here now is great. However, like we should be patting, patting ourselves on the back. We should have been doing this all along. This is not new, uh, and it's not new, especially to to folks that have, have, have that 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 are on the edges of disadvantage. That, that go, ahead, go ahead. No, finish your thought. It's, as I say, it's kind of scary. Um, that like I said, now we're talking about it. Now they're taking action. But it, you're right. No one should be patting themselves on the back for this. This is something that should have been here a long, long time ago. Um, and it, it's one of these things that, you know what, if you take one good thing about happening in the past is that now people are, are talking about it and now we're actually going to, we're seeing actual companies take action. Right. So one of the cop-outs that, uh, I've heard in the past, and I'm sure you've heard as well, is we can't find diverse talent. So you're not looking, you're not looking <laughs> at the end of the day, look, your, your listen, some of your listeners will know this, uh, early talent is completely different than general recruiting. Right. All right. Early talent for year after year, for years, we, our company goes to these core schools. Well, those core schools aren't very diverse. Why do you go to those core schools? Uh, because that's where my CEO went, or that's where I went and I like to go drink on that campus. I mean, I, I'm not joking. So you're not looking for the diverse talent. There are companies like Yellow who supplies, has a way up, has a database of millions and millions of candidates where you can go ahead and get that information. There's HBCUs. Uh, there's also different planning modules out there you can look at, as well as every school has different types of clubs and different places. You have to go out of your normal routine of I'm just going to the career center because we know, and NACE comes out with the statistic every year, the best, best career centers only get 30% of the population. So there's 70% of the population you're not even looking at. So there's all these different ways and different offerings you can go and find diverse candidates. I love that. It, it, you know, I was talking to somebody that's, an expert in a second chance, fair chance uh, space, yeah. you know, 70 million Americans have felonies. He's like, and all felonies aren't equal. And, but, you know, the, the simple background check, you check a box, you have a felony, you just get dumped out. 
it's like there's a whole talent pool there that we just we don't we don't recognize that like 70 million that's you know out of 330 million that's a big number uh and 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 again not all felonies are created equal so it's just fascinating the one question yeah go ahead yeah to that when you look at early talent um for years uh, client uh, companies have been focused on four-year institutions Mm-hmm. And there are so many other places you can go. Community, which is colleges. which is littered with bias. Just yeah, that alone. Correct. Yeah, there's community colleges. There are boot camps. There's certificates. There's other places. We even have uh, some of our clients go into the high schools, and it's not so much, hey, we're going to recruit. Even though we do, uh, so they'll start recruiting the high school, saying you don't need to go to college, or we can get, teach you everything you need. But we, they're also branding their organization, what they're doing there. So once again, there's so many other places you can go. I mean, look, the career center and the four-year institutions should always be a stop on your on your on your journey for talent, but it shouldn't be your only stop. So is the kind of is the recruitment process? Do you find it different? for diversity uh, candidates? Like, sh- is, should we do things different in our process? In the process, yes. But uh, when I look at that is, when I say process is where you're going. I mean, right. what we find is you need to really have a mixture of physical and virtual events. And mm. when we talk early talent, events is really the main way. And we can define events not as just career centers, but uh, doing class, I'm sorry, career fairs, doing class projects, uh, info sessions, different types of pieces. So when we say events, we're not just saying career fairs, but yes, you do have to have a mixture of physical and virtual. And a lot of our clients are, are starting that process now. What we saw with the pandemic is that the pendulum swung all the way to one direction for just virtual. Uh, and before that, it was all the way in one direction for just physical uh, types of events. But now you actually have to do a combination of both. Because like I said, you're going to have to focus on your few fewer places where you're going to physically be and then you need your virtual approach in order to find other candidates and a lot of times it's easy for your diversity it's easier to go virtual um, because you can go across many different schools Um, you can have pinpoint marketing campaigns or or drip campaigns just focusing on on a population you're looking for so when you look at your process as a whole yeah also your speed to hire is going to be a really big change as well Uh, before the pandemic and before all these pieces here, maybe three to four interviews in order to get hired. Um, this generation doesn't want that. They only want one to two interviews and you're going to have to move quicker in order to get those hired. So there's little things you can do in your process to speed it up. And also because time, time is money. And from there, you're, you're able to help you with your DEI goals. So because you mentioned events, I want to make sure the audience understands kind of what a successful virtual event looks like for the diverse candidates. What yeah. what do you what do you think the what's the makeup or what are some of the elements there? Great, great question. Because when when you're looking at a, a events as a whole, uh, virtual is a little bit different. In the fact that, look, today to keep people's attention is really really hard. So you can't come in with a virtual event of, um, hey, this is the job opportunity. This is that, or even a virtual career fair. Our recommendation is interview your CEO about DEI. Interview somebody in your organization about DEI. Interview maybe a recent associate that was hired in a day in the life. Open that up to globally. Have as many people go ahead and listen to that and have it as interactive as possible, but just don't focus on this is the job we're trying to hire. Talk a little bit more about your company culture and what you're doing in the space. From there, you'll get a higher attendance and a higher engagement rate. And this is what our data shows. 
after there, then you, when you have that event, now you can see who actually attended the event and then start going through your sourcing and screening abilities, uh, schedule a, a phone chat and then schedule an interview. Um, so from there, it's a little bit different concept than just waiting in queue or waiting in line. Um, right. So that's the way we always recommend doing it is just go beyond, show more about your culture and what you're doing in the DEI space uh, versus just talking about a job. So I, I mentioned a, a phrase, people that look like me or in the process, and, and I want to kind of go backwards to that just for a moment uh, and get your take. Do do candidates, is, is, that as, is that as important as I might think it is? Uh, in terms of looking at the company page, like y'all, you know, like like Yellow does, you've you've gone transparent and shown, okay, this is actually who we are, so you can kind of see that. But for candidates, especially early stage candidates, do they care about seeing folks that are like them, or or you know, interacting with folks that are like them? They do. Um, so like 80, 80 over eighty percent of Black students are more likely to apply to a company. When they see people in people of color in leadership positions, um, they're more likely to apply if the recruiter is like them. They're more likely to apply if their company has put the website like what, what Yellow does, and, and really just be very transparent about what they're trying to do. Transparency is, is really important to this generation, specifically early talent. Right. What are, What are you seeing with uh, early stage candidates and like ERGs or SIGs or like we've talked about programmatically? what you're doing as a company and how transparent you are, but, but in t- inside that company is, is going to also be some resources. So uh, are you seeing some of that being asked about or pushed, pushed forward for the company? You definitely hear it. Um, I'm not hearing as much in, in my role. Um, I can just anecdotally say, yes, uh, we're hearing uh, candidates asking for that. Where, what's my future? What, what type of, what are you doing internally? Those types of things. Um, but I'm not hearing it so much in the recruitment process. It's more after the recruitment process. Right, right. So with the companies that you, um, you know, and again, we'll anonymize this, but with your customers, where's, where's the, the single biggest point of failure? So we'll, do, we'll work the opposite side, winning, uh, the, the opposite side of winning, right? Well, where do, where do we fail kind of uh, in simple terms kind of most often? In, in a couple of places. Uh, the number one is, is not recognizing you have a DEI issue. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Start uh, not, with you. Recognize, what is that? Uh, you have to admit not, you have a not, problem. Yeah. yeah. Not setting your goals. Um, my biggest fear is that this goes away. It, 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 I, I don't think it will, but my biggest fear is that it no longer becomes a priority. Um, when I talked to clients uh, a couple of years ago, they would tell me, diversity and DEI would always be in the top five, but it really was never the number one reason they have early talent groups. Uh, today, when I talk to clients, it's the first thing they say. It's for diversity. It's, it helps us fill those roles. So where do people fail? One, they don't set goals. Two, they don't set a short-term or long-term strategy. Um, like I said, if you haven't been doing this for a while, you haven't really been acknowledged other than checking a box, you're behind. You're behind. Um, so what you need to do is figure out what your short-term strategy is. How are we going to get more diverse candidates into our pipeline? How are we going to train our staff uh, on biases? How are we going to make sure we get the message about our organization? Um, But it's one of those things where you really have to understand it and embrace it and put the resources towards it. I love that. I love how you started with, you have to admit you have a problem. Like that's, you know, you have to recognize that. And if you can't recognize that, you can't do all the other stuff. You can't, you can't really move forward. Um, 
and without disclosing names or brands, um, an experience where you've seen somebody do something really innovative. Obviously, they've, they've, they've recognized they have a problem. They've set some goals, but they've yeah. tactically or programmatically, they've done something that's really, really innovative. Yeah, that, that's a great question, William. And I'm, I'm in a, I work for an organization that just does a lot of innovative things in this space. So it's when seeing them use the data that mm. Yellow provides to actually create strategic decisions, as well as convince senior management of the importance of DEI, because you'd be shocked the number of Fortune 500s that that still goes on in, um, and understanding that. So one is one using data to make those decisions, which shouldn't be super innovative, but you'd be surprised the number of companies who still don't do that. So you, you focus on that. Two is what I really, really like is when companies start early in the process. When I meet early in the process is actually going having a, a full-blown high school program um, where they go in and they talk about what it's like to be an accountant or what it's like to be an engineer in the high schools. And they're not so much selling the organization, they're selling a job, but they're selling the organization. And when they're ready for a job, it's typically the first place they go to. So when I look at that, that to me is really innovative, how they're really starting early in the process. So let me ask you about skills or upskilling or careers. So again, I think you you did a wonderful job of saying, okay, one of our problems is we go to the same four-year uh, institutions that we've been to every year for the last 20 years and all kinds of littered with all kinds of bias. We can look in these different places, uh, technical institutes, et cetera. I love how you've kind of done that. How much also should we be explaining the skills that one has and how they can develop other skills? Like how will, as a company, how we'll develop skills and transfer skills and even like what a, what a career looks like? Like how much of it is a, the responsibility of a company to then kind of paint that picture? Because I think, again, dealing with, with privilege, I think that's one of the things of a four-year institution is they have a career management center, most of, you know, all of them do. And they, they teach you these things. Like, this is what a career in marketing looks like. And this is what a career in accounting looks like. And, they, you know, it's, it's not perfect, but at least you have a roadmap for what it looks like. And so it's probably not the same with a technical institute. It's probably not the same with, with looking at community colleges. So what do you suggest for, for customers and, and, and folks that are out there that are listening that really want to win at DEI? How should they go about this? I mean, it's, it's really important, uh, like the upskilling and understanding that. And it, it, as when you talked about, is it a little bit of a different approach yet? Yeah, you're, you're, you're going to approach a four-year institution and you're, differently than you're going to approach a, a two-year institution or a boot camp or those types of things. So it, it, once again, it depends about the position you're hiring for, um, but it is really, really important. It's all about training and it's all about explaining and letting your, your hiring managers know why you're doing this. I was just talking to a company and they were telling me that th their hiring managers truly cannot understand why they can't go to the core schools they always go to. And I, and I gave them resources and pointed and showed them data of why it's important to diversify and go to different places and to find top talent. So it's, it's, it's all about training and it's, and it's all about truly understanding what your goals are in order to be successful. I love that. And I love that you mentioned training because it also gets to a career path, which you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, and again, explaining, explaining that to candidates, all candidates, but explaining that to, to candidates to where they understand, okay, Here's where your skills are right now. Here's what we're going to do to develop those skills. Here's as we develop those skills. Here's what's going to be available to you. 
And here's what we would like for you in your career path or, you know, your next gig, if you want to use different language, here's what we want. Here's what we want for you. And, you know, we're not just thinking about one and done. We're not just thinking about how you enter into our organization. Yes, we are thinking about that. That's important. But we're also thinking about what you do next. Like, how do they, I mean, first of all, that that's philosophical, right? So, but how do they convey those things? Look, the great resignation happening today, it's really, really important to not only show uh, companies, uh, show your, your, your employees and, and your future employees what your organization does, but also your career path. And what we recommend doing is men- a mentoring program, mm. uh, making sure you put them with somebody similar to them so they can understand the process. Uh, we recommend, once again, just being as transparent as possible of this is the steps you need to go in order to do that and where you need to be. So uh, keeping candidates engaged, keeping employees engaged is just now as important as how do we keep them within the organization? And if you don't show them the right career path or show them the ability of where they can learn within the organization to get to the next step, um, you're not going to be successful. I love that. I love that you went there because it's, it's one thing to attract the talent. It's yet another thing to retain the talent. Yeah. Right. And we're seeing that more and more in organizations. And let's look at recruiters, for instance. Um, Recruiter satisfaction for a company. Was that ever a thing before the (laughs) pandemic? I mean, I could talk to CHROs and be like, we can always get new recruiters. All I care about is candidate satisfaction. Right. Now that's changed. Uh, We need to make sure the recruiters are happy. We make sure that we're giving them the software and the tools in order to be successful um, because we can't afford to lose them. Um, we have jobs we need to fill, um, specifically in early talent. There's actually more job openings than qualified candidates, um, which is similar to general recruiting, but there's actually, we have to actually get more candidates into the jobs, but they're not looking at the qualified ones. So how do we keep these recruiters happy and how do we make sure that they're doing their job effectively and efficiently so they'll stay with us? I love that. So we've talked uh, a few different times about like putting people with uh, folks that are like them, but let's work the opposite. How much, how, how important is it to also break down barriers and put people with people that they, that are dislike uh, them so that we kind of move forward. Like I understand the attraction side of, uh, of, of a candidate that then wants to meet and see and interact with people that are like them. But I also think that if we, if we continue on that path and that's our only path, then we've essentially created a bunch of different kind of pocketed groups within our own company. So yeah. how do we, how do we, how do we actually kind of integrate? How do we actually bring people together in a, in a yeah. good way where yeah. people are dislike each other? And when I made that statement, I, I should have been clarified, like everything in our, Oh, world, I made it too. No, the, I made the, it pen, too. the pendulum swings all the way to the right or all right. the way to the left. It was, Hey, let's find the middle ground. Uh, let's find where we can have put people together that are like, so they can feel more comfortable. They can relate to experiences. But in in this world, we are a diverse world. You need to figure out how to get along with everybody. You know those pieces there as well. Um, I think it's a lot easier to get un- not people that are not like each other together because um, that's just nature. That's walking outside. That's being 
around your world. Um, but for to make sure that you have at least a mentor or somebody there similar to you to help you navigate through the organization, I think is really important. Oh, it's critical. Uh, you know, and I see people, I see people do that with a buddy system too. Yeah. So mentor a little bit more structure, a little bit, you know, a little bit different, but I've also seen that just as effective with a buddy, somebody that could, when you first get onboarded, you're assigned a buddy and you have a buddy and a buddy kind of, you know, it's a sounding board, somebody that helps you kind of navigate. I love that. All right. Your favorite hack, if there is a hack for DEI, what's your favorite hack? Uh, it's not really a hack, though. It's one of those things where <laughs> it's common people, sense. It's common sense. <laughs> when you look at how to recruit DEI, you, it's what I've said from all along. You got to have a, a physical and virtual approach. So, I mean, when you're looking at this, you're never going to hit your DEI goals if you just go to if you just go to physical events, or if you even just go to HBCUs, you're never going to hit your DEI goals because that's where everyone's going now, right? So it's like, how do we find outside of that? So you really have to use other resources, other databases in order to find that, find that in order to hit that goal. The other thing I would recommend as, as a hack is if you have a system, make sure you're checking your funnel at all times. Um, because the worst thing you do is wait to the end of the recruiting season to see if you hit your goals. So those are my two recommendations. I wouldn't call them hacks, but I would call them more common sense. So you mentioned funnel, and I, I just want to make sure when the audience hears this that they understand, should they be looking at conversions at different stages in the, in, in the funnel of where they're losing diverse talent? Yes. And yes. And you should be looking at that in real time because you will see, and I can mm. tell story after story that there's this one hiring manager for some reason that's right. when we lose all the talent the first time. Right. So what's right. going on there? Or it's the top of the funnel when they actually go ahead and enter their information. Is there something weird there that we're not capturing the right people there? You should be able to make real-time decisions. In this day and age with software like Yellow and other software providers out there, you can do this in real time. So there's really no more excuses. Um, right. Yes, you should be looking at every part of that funnel and every part of the hiring process to see where the drop-off occurs. Drops Mike, walks off stage. Dan, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, William. It was a lot of fun. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.